podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 148. Today, we're going to talk about breakups. Are you breaking up with me? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, 140 episodes in, 48 episodes in, Ryan. I, this is it, man. <laughs> it's been fun, but... Uh, oh, thank God. It's not that I don't love you. <laughs> I'm just not in love with you. Mm, that's fair. <laughs> you know what, what's weird about... Oh, by the way, we have Nate Green with us today. Hello. Uh, I'll, I'll give a, a proper intro to you in a moment, Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something like... That cliche is actually so true. It really is, man. Like, I'm not in love with you, but I still love you. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just like we need more words like... like the Inuit have like a dozen words for snow right. to describe different types of snow, but we have this one word, and it's like love. And, and it's, yeah, like it's such a broad. Yeah, it has a lot of meanings. Well, we or a lot of dif- d- different inferences, I guess. Uh, we we t- we took Ella, our, our five year old daughter, to to ramen the other night or when we first like Tatsu. Yeah, Tatsu ramen in, yeah. in West Hollywood, and. She's like, I love you, and I love ramen. <laughs> and because yeah, she's super excited. It's like her favorite restaurant to go to. And I'm trying to explain to her, like, it's okay to love ramen noodles, like, to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But it's a different kind of love from loving your par- parents or loving other people. It's mm-hmm. a completely different thing. Uh, so hopefully we'll dive into that today. We're going to talk about breaking well, up with people. So that, that whole saying, I, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, like, what does that mean to you? It, it it means to me that I that I care about you. I, I can love you as a person, but but I don't want to. I, I don't see a a a partnership. I don't feel the way about you romantically yeah. that uh, th- that I otherwise would. Nate, what do you think about that? Uh, no, I think it's a really big thing. Like uh, we're gonna get into the into the the murky stuff of uh, of breaking up here in a bit. But I feel like. Uh, it is possible to still love someone deeply and compassionately, but for it to take a different kind of form than a romantic love. Yeah. And, and I think I, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I feel like we need, and I know there are like different terms and people are going to start tweeting me. It's agape love or whatever. And what, like, is, what did you just say? There's a term agape love. It's like a brotherly love. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so like there are different, there are different well, the, the, terms, but they're not commonly accepted. But agape, in, in, even that, I mean, that is a, that's a different language. Yeah. I mean, that's not English. It's I mean it's a word we stole. I don't know if it's Greek. Or, I think it's Greek. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah we even so we because we have so few words for love in English English language we have to steal <laughs> words from other languages to describe the love that we're that we're dealing with. When I think about um, being in love with some or I'm sorry loving someone but not being in love with someone, uh-huh. it's almost like um, I think of uh, my past relationships where I've just have gotten into a routine mm. of loving someone. Mm. And um, I, I don't know 
if either of you guys has ever been in a relationship like that where you start dating someone, things are really awesome. Mm. The chemistry's great. Yeah, chemistry's great. And then six or eight months into it, you're like, yeah, I still really like this person, but you're not as excited about it. And then, you know, maybe I know I certainly have done this where like after a year, it's like, wait a minute. Like, I'm probably not going to marry this person, Mm. but I'm really used to having them in my life. Mm. And I really do love them as a person. But I, I'm not probably going to take Ooh. this, you know, that that next step or whatever it may be. Um, I, I guess my point is, is a lot of the times we will stay in a relationship yes. because of the familiarity with it. And it's not even it, the next step thing is interesting to me because there, there doesn't necessarily have to be a next step. Like I think about my, my current relationship with, yeah. with Bex and Ella, like there, there are next steps in, in terms of evolving as a couple, but there... Uh, but it's wanting to continue to journey down that same path That's together. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Mm. And, and sometimes we keep going down the same path even though you're like, oh, I'm going down the wrong path. And I might be dragging this other person down the wrong path as well. Oh, yeah. I'm, and, and we're like both going down the wrong path because we've refused to acknowledge the fact that, hey, I can still love you from a distance and travel in a, in a different path. Mm, this is the way that I look at it right now is uh, how can I thank you for all the time that we've spent together mm. and all the ways that you have enriched my life yeah um and then not hold on to it anymore yeah. and the love can still uh be present right you well, can still you can still love someone and be like thank you for everything that mm-hmm. was an amazing run i learned a lot from you mm-hmm. um i'm feeling like i need to go this way i get the sense that you need to go this way let's have a conversation about that and then figure out how to support each other on these journeys because yeah. if you've built this love over time there should be a lot of communication and there should be a lot of support still. And then we often feel compelled to sort of tear it down. If it, 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 mm. I, I know in the past, um, I've been in relationships where, where if it hasn't worked out, then all of a sudden there's almost like this cultural imperative to, to and it's so silly to me now, but uh, there's a cultural imperative to to shun the other person to oh, tear yeah. them down to make them feel bad in some way because mm. it didn't work out or maybe i should feel bad that it didn't work out as opposed to the other way to look at it is you can also graduate from a relationship yes. it's what dan savage calls the campsite rule right mm. you want to leave things better than you found them at a campsite mm. bax and ella just went camping this past week um and i'll have no part of that he did and not left him that. there no yeah. <laughs> he didn't even know where to go no i was i, I i'll avoid that but but i understand uh, but fundamentally I, I appreciate that rule where it's like if you're going to be in a relationship with someone whether that's a business relationship a friendship an acquaintanceship networking whatever it is why not leave that that relationship better than how you found it i yeah. i feel like the basis for all of this is uh self-love and then communication about what you're feeling and thinking with the other person in an honest, direct way. Like the only way that I feel like you have a good relationship and the only way that you have a good ending to a relationship, a romantic relationship, whatever, Mm -hmm. is to be completely on board and communicative with that person in a direct and honest and open, compassionate way. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with what you were just talking about, you being thankful, being grateful for the time you had together and being able to find a way to express that because even if a relationship's ending and even if it's not your fault that it's ending, Mm. you can be grateful for that time that you had together and you can still express that in a way that, that isn't mopey or overly emotional 
or mm. or accusatory because um, there, there's there's also a passive aggressive way to a passive aggressive way to express your gratitude yes and, and we, we want to avoid that uh, I got a little bit of follow-up before we dive into these questions today someone a bunch of people on on YouTube have asked this so I figured I'd just finally address it because I, I tend I don't respond to every YouTube comment although we, we read them um, and uh, thankfully we have a good YouTube audience it's not the typical swine on on uh, <laughs> on YouTube we have a really good Cut your YouTube. hair hippie <laughs> yeah no no, no. Well, uh, people genuinely want to know like why do we stand on the the podcast um, the entire time I like standing because the alternative is to sit the entire time <laughs> right mm. and we do have chairs so like we will sit from time to time occasionally we'll, if we're by the end of this we do a postscript episode and if my legs get tired I'm like I'd like to sit a little bit um, I think it was was it Kelly Starrat? He has that book about sitting is the new smoking. Yeah. And and um, uh, this line stood out to me. I think it was from him where he talked about what is your what's the best position to work from? Is it sitting? Is it standing? And if it is sitting, then how should you sit? If it's standing, how should you stand? He said the next. He said the the best position is whatever the next position is mm, going to be always move yeah always always be yeah. moving and so and that I, that, we don't get a whole lot of, of opportunity to do that during the podcast because we're you know tethered to these these mics here mm. but when we're working in this office space the other six days of the week um i will sit i will stand i'll move around i'll i'll do squats you know i i find that just sitting there for eight hours a day would be the worst thing to do the second worst thing would be standing here for eight hours a day right. that's not going to be great for you either so People wanted to know about that. Also, our last episode was episode, actually it was two episodes ago, 146. We did an episode about curation. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I didn't mention, but Nate brought this up. He was, Nate was staying over at our house for a couple of days. Uh, the curated home. Like, mm -hmm. He was over at our house and he's like, man, I love coming here because it, it feels really good. Like I feel calm in this space. Yes. And to me, like that—that's that is the whole point of curation. Is so so I I'm eliminating the the noise, the excess, so mm. I can feel good wherever I am. It's the reason that that museums elicit a particular feeling from you. That's part of the experience. We we did talk about that on the podcast. Like yeah. if you took all the beautiful art at at the MoMA or LACMA and you just shoved it into a storage locker, oh. it'd still be beautiful art, but it would totally ruin it would the be experience. Overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to handle it. Well dude, if you went to a museum and they just had like you know at the like uh, super centers they've got the posters where you can like flip through the posters yeah. and look at them like could you imagine if it was just like one room oh, and you just no. sit there and flip through a bunch of art and then you left like oh. what a horrible experience <laughs> it, it would be and I think it's the same same with our homes is is being able to to come home and feel that sense of calm knowing that that I've curated a space that feels good to me mm. and it's something I look forward to going back to as opposed to the opposite like oh, I can't believe I gotta go home I have to deal with this I, I feel like the mental know. clarity kind of starts with physical space right like not that I need everything to be exactly in its place in order for me to function mm. but I know I feel my best when my physical space feels uh, calm and refreshing and uh, just good to be in so when I walk into your home I have this like Oh, yeah. feeling where I'm like oh I feel it's not even my home but I feel home yeah and I 
that I think that's beautiful. Thank you for saying it. I mean, I don't curate it for other people. We very rarely have. You didn't other do that for me. Over. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, okay. But but it's nice that that and what what we're talking about here is there are some universals when we get rid of that excess because the opposite. When I think of the TV show Hoarders, I mean, clearly there's a lot of mental illness there. So if you go one or two steps below that, just a really cluttered house, mm. there is a a sense of chaos. Mm that you can very easily deal with because that that external clutter is, is an external expression of what's going on inside. And, and and clearing that excess for me has enabled me to better deal with what's what's going on inside. It's curating the exterior so I can curate my interior. Yeah. And whether that's through, through meditation or it is through just uh, uh, walking, exercise, just different activities that allow me to have a better sort of internal state is yeah. really helpful. Curating uh, my life means not just the physical stuff, but curating me as a person as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a well, uh, a well curated exterior is a symptom of a well curated interior. Yes, indeed. You could tweet that. Ooh. Ooh. We'll put that as a minimal <laughs> maximum. We we do this thing uh, during the lightning round. You see, we have these uh, in the show notes. Uh, podcast Sean puts the. Uh, uh, anything pithy we say that's like tweetable, he puts it in, in the show notes. They're called Minimal Maxims. And then Jessica, uh, who does our social media, she she has a separate website called minimalmaxims.com where all of the, the pithy things that Ryan and I have said over the last eight years are, are sort of cataloged. Do you feel there. like you think that way now? No, no. <laughs> I, I see it. I'm like, man, that is a profound quote. And then all of a sudden I realize someone like quoted us. Because yeah. here's the thing. If you <laughs> maunder on enough, there's a, there, you have a ton of sediment on this table. Eventually you might find a little nugget of gold absolutely and, and and so jess is the one who does the panning for gold it's like you have your best thoughts ever captured in a specific location that way you can just go back yeah. and revisit them from time to time and then yeah, feel definitely. good about yourself well it's, it's also like taking your own advice is the hardest pill to swallow oh yeah absolutely and, and so i can go back and say okay like that is really good advice now maybe if i go if, and i'll go to middle maxims you just hit refresh and a new one pops up each time mm. and so i'll just find one and i'm like yeah, that that's really good. It could be for me, or it could be from Ryan. I'm like, that's something I sh- I, I I notice in my life, but I should do more in my I life. F- I forget where I heard this, but uh, I think the quote was something like, um, "The advice that you most often give is the advice that you need to take." Ah, <laughs> yes, and, that's and a minimal that. maxim right there. Yeah, get, boom. Get, that, that's a good one, Sean. So, <laughs> so I that was true. I think that's why Ryan and I have talked about minimalism for the last eight years because <laughs> we we still struggle with consumerism, right? And and <laughs> and making sure we can stave that off now nate how did we meet oh by the way we we don't do interviews on this this podcast but occasionally we bring some friends on yes to to answer some questions and we'll get to those questions here momentarily but we met in an interesting way yeah we met in a coffee shop um i don't know if you know this actually the first time i met ryan i paid him uh, <laughs> wait a minute yes yeah yeah, yeah. R- ryan it's not nearly as interesting as how nate and i met <laughs> yeah so there we were it was dark no, I'm yeah. um, no, no i remember dude bridge pizza man yeah we met at bridge pizza yeah. and uh I was in Missoula, like, Montana. Yeah, yeah. I, I have this i have this thing man like i really feel like um if you want to get to know someone you have to kind of break through the noise and you have to be respectful so i take my work very seriously i know you do too and so I was like, I think I want to meet these guys, the minimalists. I've been following your blog for a while. Um, and so I was like, how can I do that in a way that feels good? And uh, so I did a mentorship session with Ryan, just one off. And then we met at Bridge Pizza and yeah. we hung out. And I thought it was great. And I was like, cool, Ryan. Uh, I remember hanging out with Nate and I was like, man, this guy's got his shit together. Why is he paying me to <laughs> mentor him? <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And then I met you. Uh, 
I kept seeing you because we we all lived in Missoula, Missoula at the time, yeah. and uh, it's a small place. So, and you and I, I feel like have similar tastes. So we just ran into each other all the time at yeah. the same places, mostly right. coffee shops. Right. And uh, I think I bought you a fifty dollar gift card to you Zoo Town Brew, and I did. and I left it there with them. And I think I wrote you a note, but I don't, do not remember what it said. You did. Okay. Uh, and I think the note was like just really simple. Like, hey, I appreciate the work that you're doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, thanks for what you're putting out into the world. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and so apparently you uh, you found that cool, and you uh, we t we talked like the next time I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, next time and, I saw you. Yeah. And then you invited me to the sauna. Yeah. And then I think the first time we like really hung out, like we were at the YMCA sweating together in the sauna. <laughs> this is like the most random friendship of all time. What's our other green friend, Doctor Ryan Dr. Green? Doctor Ryan Green. He, mm. he, he talks about how. Uh, like the people who sweat together grow together. Yeah, and um, uh, that that's a sort of an exercise maxim for him. But it's yeah. also true with the sauna. Like we we went to the Russian bathhouse with Doctor Green this 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 oh, weekend. I'm and going back there. That was amazing. A few other friends. It was so, so good. good but like, there's something about that where where you're able to connect, and it's part of it's getting yourself outside of a, a comfort zone mm. and into enough into a discomfort zone that it's not painful, but but it's it's a different experience that you're both having, so it becomes memorable, and and thus it becomes meaningful yes um so so nate you're you're a writer among other things mm -hmm. uh going to be a, a world traveler again very soon yes um if folks want to check out your work it's uh, nategreen.org where are you you're on twitter you're just at nate green it's the nate green the nate yeah green. i know it sounds a little conceited but uh there were already <laughs> so many nate greens and yeah. i figured putting the word the in front of it would work and it totally worked all right so. well check them out there and then we'll, we'll talk more about our stories but let's dive into some of these these questions christiana from parts unknown I'm not sure where she's from, Sean, so I just have parts unknown. She has a, the first question for us. How do I move on from a relationship and still be friends with that person? Man, Nate, I'm really looking, like, I, when I heard this question, mm. I'm looking forward to what you have to say because I know that this is so important for you after going uh, going through this breakup. Absolutely. With your ex. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, I think about my past relationships and how I was able to stay friends with my exes while I didn't. Yeah. I did a really good job of burning all of my bridges mm. with my exes. Nate and I were talking about that uh, this weekend where I, I was going to say, Ryan and I have similar perspectives now, but we had totally different paths to get there. Yeah. Where I am friends with almost everyone who I've had an intimate relationship with. Like, we still keep in contact. Uh, in fact, really good friends with some of them. Yeah. Um, and there, there are a couple outliers, which we can certainly talk about as well. But, uh, and then Ryan has a, a, a different scenario. Now, I know if, if you and Mariah were to, to move on from each other, I, I don't even necessarily, like, breakup is the wrong word for what yes. you you went through with, with your former partner. And that's the other thing that I try to distinguish, that the language is important. Yeah, actually, I, I picked that up from you because uh, so uh, for people that don't know which is everyone uh, <laughs> I was together with a, a wonderful beautiful woman for 10 years yeah. uh, almost 10 years and then we uh, had a this term is kind of weird but a conscious uncoupling right yeah. like, that's what celebrities do apparently and I just feel like I'm going to steal their language because it feels <laughs> more appropriate than calling it a breakup right and so I don't I, call the, it the word I would use is graduation almost yeah I, mean, yeah. I, I know yeah. I've used that a couple times but like high school can be a great experience but sometimes you have to move on from that you thing. don't want to live in high school and when you think right. about the term breakup that means that yeah something is broken yes, yes. and yes. yeah you want to like you're trying to like l split from this relationship breaking as little things as possible we were, we were not broken people right we were whole in our own ways right mm -hmm. and then this this just 
was the next logical step and continuation of the relationship was mm. to end it romantically mm. and figure out and and it's still it's it's new it's fresh it's a month and a half uh uh when we when we decided to see even now even now i struggle with the language like split whatever right yeah and we decided not to be together anymore yeah. right um we, i mean really it's changing the relationship that's that's exactly. what christiana is talking about here it's it's not about uh break up so much as it is the relationship was one thing before how do i move forward to make it another thing it's a transformation yeah and and i think the first thing is changing the language that yes. we're using so instead of these negative words like break up or x i hate that um, yep. it, it, using positive language that helps us re-identify what this relationship is going to look like. I can say my friend Randy or my friend Colleen or my friend whomever mm. w without saying, you know, my, my, my ex. Yeah. I can say here, here are, here's a friend that, that we may have once had that type of relationship, but that, that is less relevant now to our current relationship. Mm. Whether or not we had that, an intimate relationship previously, what is the relationship look like now and how do i how do i foster that uh, the other thing that that i'll say and i think you're discovering this right now nate maybe you can talk about some of the events that because i know it was a, it was a there was a long road and and, uh, and maybe you were in a way dealing with the uncoupling for a longer mm. period of time than than she was mm. because well can you talk a little bit about how you, you the, the, the any of the events that led up to where yeah, you, absolutely and this is a this is a fun and kind of vulnerable place to be because i uh i feel so good about it and at the same time it's like obviously i want to be incredibly respectful to her so i probably won't get into like a bunch of like the nitty-gritty details but i can tell you how uh we got to where we are so yeah. we were together for 10 years mm -hmm. and we worked a lot on our communication like our really i mean you know we stayed with you a couple months ago actually mm -hmm. yeah. and um, we prided ourselves in always uh telling each other what we were feeling when it needed to be said and we built up this relationship of love and compassion and uh joint work together like we worked in the same kind of industry doing the same kind of work we would introduce each other to each other's friends um so it was a beautiful thing but it reached a point uh where so the way that the way that she framed it for me was really helpful she said we sat on the couch had a three-hour long conversation i honestly did not see this coming at the time so she she you didn't see it coming but i know you and i had conversations maybe six months prior yes i didn't see the breakup coming but i knew uh, the word breakup yeah i i didn't see that coming but I guess it was always in the back of my head as a possibility. Like we talked about it. Like if we were to not be together anymore, what would we do? Like these are conversations that we had all throughout our relationship. This mm -hmm. is how we would split up uh, finances. This is how, because we lived together for eight or nine of those years out of 10. Mm -hmm. So we just had this constant communication of this is how we would uncouple if it ever gets to that point. So mm -hmm. when it finally happened and we sat on the couch and she said, um, I feel like I have one foot in and one foot out of the relationship. Mm. And I feel like you, Nate, have two feet in. And I've been feeling it for the last six months or so. And it's not fair to you and it's not fair to me. Mm. And when she said that, something just kind of opened up in me. And I felt not anger, not upset, not anything like that. I felt so much love and compassion for her that she trusted me that much mm. that she could be that honest and direct with me. Mm. And so we had this beautiful conversation that lasted a few hours 
where we talked about all the amazing things that we'd accomplished together, all the difficult things, and then what this was going to look like moving forward. And uh, like that night, she left to go to a friend's house, and I stayed. And then a couple days later, and this was the this was the most difficult part of this. A couple days later, uh, we had another conversation. Um, she came to the house, and we sat in her car, and we talked for maybe half an hour, and she thought maybe we made the wrong decision Mm. and Mm. we had a decision to make at that point right to like negate the three hour long conversation we had where we were probably the most open honest egoless uh not defensive place we ever have been um or go back and try to start this thing up again right Mm. and so i just had this moment of clarity where it just became very clear to me where where i thought are we here right now sitting here talking about maybe getting back together? Are we here out of love or are we here out of fear? Because if we're here out of love, maybe it's worth making it work. But if we can both be honest with ourselves and say, why am I having this conversation right now? Am I afraid? Of course. Um, I never want to do anything precious and important out of fear. Yeah. I only want to go toward love. Amen. Right? Yeah. So that's, so then we, uh, we had that conversation. There was like a moment of silence, like quite literally in the car. And we decided, no, this is the right decision. And so that was a month and a half ago. And since then we are going to continue to be friends, but we need some physical space right now. Like Missoula is a small town. So I'm getting ready to move to Thailand for six months. Um, since I'm a writer, I can kind of go wherever, go live in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've seen her a couple of times because we have all the things that you have to do. We had joint bank accounts. We had a dog together. We have all this stuff that we, I mean, not a lot of stuff, but you know, we yeah. had stuff that we needed. You to had a di- life together. We had a life right. together that we needed to divvy up and figure out how does, how does this work? Um, but right now I can't say that we are going to be great friends, but I, I think we're on that path because the last time that we talked to each other, we, talked about the other people that we're kind of seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we acknowledge that that's a thing. We talked about how much we still loved and cared for each other and how we think this is going to be amazing in the future. But right now we need some physical space because an emotional space, because think about it, like after 10 years in a relationship, you get to a point where it just becomes habitual and natural. If I sit next to her, my first inclination is to put my hand on her leg. Right. Not that I'm trying to manipulate or do anything. It's just the it's habit for 10 years. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, I feel like right now we're in a good position where um, I support her. Uh, she supports me completely. And I know I would love to continue to be great friends with her. And I think that's possible, but it's still early stages, but I, uh, I, I feel that, really good about it. I think it's a time of, of, of you have to stop being communicative for a while as that relationship changes, right? Because it's hard to, it's not an easy transition as yesterday we were lovers, today we're friends. Mm, no. Yeah. Uh, it, th- there is that space in between and that space is being less expressive with the other person because you had this beautiful moment of, of true expression and it's what our friend Colin Wright calls the I'll tell you policy. Mm. Like it, it, he has a, a great book called uh, Some Thoughts About Relationships. It's, it's, 
not just my favorite Colin book, but it's my favorite book about relationships, period. It, it, these little pithy sort of policies that he has about any relationship that he enters into, uh, intimate or otherwise. And one is the I'll tell you policy. And that's the one that I've used most in my current relationship to make it thrive. In fact, when something's not going well, Bex will come to me and say, well, you didn't honor the I'll tell you policy. Ooh, that's good and to have that kind of accountability for it, it too. It, it hold each other accountable for that. In mm-hmm. fact, she did this with me just uh, the other day. And, and, and it can, it's, it's usually with small stuff because you, even with the small things, those things can fester and then resentment builds, right? Mm. If we're not being completely forthright. And, and what you had was this three-hour, I'll tell you, like, like battle, battle royal, right? <laughs> of, of like, here's a lot of things that we haven't maybe stuck to the full, I'll tell you up until this point mm. because she had one foot out for six months yeah. and and w- for whatever reason, maybe she felt like she couldn't talk to you about it. Maybe she felt like you weren't providing the space for her mm-hmm. to talk about it. Uh, maybe she just wasn't ready to talk about it. But sometimes before we're even ready, we need to talk. It doesn't mean we just need to uh, vomit up every little thought that we have. No. In fact, that, that can be detrimental. But if something is going on, we usually know. But the nice thing about that is, Bex and I very rarely go to each other now and say, is everything okay? Oh yeah, no. Because that happens all the time in other relationships that I've had. You sure everything's okay? Like I, I can see it on your features. You're hiding something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and maybe you're wanting me to ask you that question so you can open it up. You don't have to wait for me to say, is everything okay? To tell me what's what's going on. I feel like at yeah. that point, if you're if you're consistently asking your partner, like, is everything okay? You sure? Like there is a, a, a deeper thing that's happening there where you, you, you don't have good communication, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you're always wondering and worrying what the other person is feeling thinking and you read into every uh, single situation or facial expression or lack of comment or whatever yeah i feel like you're in a position where uh, you need to have that couple hour long conversation on the couch and say like where where are we at and like here's what i promise to do uh for you and for myself which is to always be honest and direct to tell you how i'm feeling when it when i feel it it's appropriate yeah, yeah. and that, that communication uh it can be an error on both sides meaning um, yes, like there's obviously a communication error. Some uh, a partner isn't, my partner isn't willing to tell me what's wrong. But also someone who asks that question a lot, there might be something wrong with themselves. Like mm. they, they might be uh, themselves holding back some information. Absolutely. The, the two biggest things that stand out to me right now from this conversation is uh, you said something about uh, respect and how uh, that is how you and your ex are able or your current friend <laughs> you're you're able friend, former partner. <laughs> yeah, former partner. we'll figure out the language yeah yeah, yeah but 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 you know you 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 mentioned respect and how important that is for uh for you guys to to maintain this friendship mm. and you talked about the uh the the, the break that you have to have mm. um before you um can even really go out of your way to like show support and respect for one another a distance that, that needs to be created right and in mm-hmm. in the, the distance like that has to be created because you know, to your point, like, yeah, you had 10 years of, of these, uh, patterns that you developed with your partner and yeah, you can't just flip a switch and have those go off. You have to have some time in order to let that stuff settle down and, uh, be able to come at the relationship with a different approach. I think you have to be willing to feel your feelings completely because Mm -hmm. I think if you're able, I don't think anyone is able to flip the switch just like that and go from like romantic partnership to just friends in a day. Now that may not be true. There may be people like that out there. Um, yes, we're called sociopaths. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Josh is the highest functioning sociopath. I know. Yeah. I totally lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> here, let me bring it back here. So, so the thing that Ryan was talking about that I think relates to this is uh, uh, a metaphor. So you, you have a, a record, you know, the, mm. the whatever twelve-inch record, right? Sure. And and you put it on a record player and it plays a, the same song every single time. And that's what's happened. You get you have you've built these grooves up in your relationship with your former partner, mm. and those grooves are going to be there. And the only way to change that is to take the record and do something to the record. Now you can do it relatively quickly by you know scratching the hell out of it or sanding down the surface but that is going to change that pattern and I think for us this, the sandpaper here is just time yes. Th- there can be other things as well like having new relationships exposing mm-hmm. yourself to to different people going out and dating um, finding new friends new geography can be really helpful absolutely I look at it as a kind of a, I mean I'm in a fortunate position where I can I, I kind of look at it as a grand gesture right like how can I go do something um, that is so unlike what I've been doing for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm planning on this uh, trip to Thailand for six months and then maybe continuing to Europe for a bit. And I'm fortunate that I can work while on the road. Uh, but this, the geographical change and the the new cultures I'll experience because of that um, and the, all the new people I'll meet, like this is a very, like I think it's gonna be a salve almost. Mm-hmm. Like I'm excited for like, I don't, even feel, I don't feel like I need to be healed or anything. I feel really good and whole right now, but I mm-hmm. think it's going to uh, get me out of my comfort zone in some way and at the same time uh, open me up to new experiences, which just become great stories and ways to connect with other people. Yeah. yeah. I, the, the thing that I think about with respect to if you want to be friends with this person long term, the question that I have to ask myself is, were we friends before? Yes. Oh, that's huge. Because if it maybe maybe you weren't. I've been in I've been in romantic relationships. So the, the relationships that I'm not f- still friends with people from before, they're people who I wasn't actually. I, there was a a sexual attraction, some sort of chemistry. Like mm. I wanted to date this person, but I didn't necessarily want to be their friend. But if it wasn't for the sex, yeah, we wouldn't <laughs> have been friends. Right. Yeah. And, and so like it was the wrong reason to get into that type of relationship. I mean, not knocking anyone who wants to go out and 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 just have one night stands or whatever. But that's not that, that, a that's not something for me. But also that's not a friendship. You can't just go out and have a bunch of one night stands and call those people friends. That's mm-hmm. not what that is. That is transactional, and that could be fine if if there's two consenting parties there. But but for me, I think about. Uh, the people who I'm still friends with now. In fact, when, when I first met Bex, um, and she had just gotten out of a marriage and uh, was not ready to be in any sort of long-term relationship. And I knew for a fact that I didn't want to be in a long-term relationship mm. for a long time, if ever. And um, although we met each other and it was like, it was so ideal, uh, I felt really good. And she asked me like, what are your intentions here? Like, what do you want? Are you just, are you trying to hook up or are you you trying to date? Well, what do you, I said, hey, I, I don't know what the future holds, but it'd be great if we could just be friends first. Mm. And the reason that I want to put that out there was twofold. And I told her this, I said, if, if we're friends right now and that works out, then that's great. And if we're just friends in perpetuity, then great, I've made a new friend. If it goes beyond friendship, because I find you attractive, and apparently you say you find me attractive, so great, if it goes beyond that, then that's great too. Uh, Because if there ever is a a future uncoupling, then that potential, that that foundation we've built is built on a friendship first. And it seems to me like like you and, and your former partner, 
you were, were really good friends. I mean, I, I hung out with both of you quite a bit. Yep. And it seems like you were good friends. So I still see, I see the potential of a friendship in the future once that, that record has been sanded down and, a and, bit. And I think that uh, one thing that kind of contributed to us not being involved romantically anymore is we became such good friends that I feel like the boundaries started to dissolve a little bit. And oh. not that not that we weren't sexual at all, not that we didn't um, put a lot of attention uh, into that part of our lives because we did and it was a, a great part of our relationship but I feel like we both at a certain point realized that I just want to hang out with you mm. like we could still mm -hmm. have sex too but I want to hang out with you like I'm more interested in talking with you and learning about you and helping you it was and, becoming unbalanced yeah a little a little mm. bit right and uh, but if you would have asked me in the moment do I feel that way I wouldn't have been able to conjure that up I, w I was not it was not on the the screen of my mind as a thing that was happening and so it's only been after the last month and a half of uh you know having this retrospect and being able to look back where i can start to see like you said little cracks um and i can see how we got here but i still feel really good about it yeah, like i don't yeah. look back at anything and go i wish i would have done that differently i'm like no this is exactly what should have happened because this is just the path we were on and it makes sense i feel like this is another reason why it's so important to take space it's because yeah. it gives you some time to like look back at the relationship yes and like really kind of dissect it a little bit i mean you don't want to overanalyze it but yeah you don't have to ruminate on but you can look back because i know for me the reason my, my relationship with beck's so great the reason your relationship with mariah is so great is because we have learned a lot of lessons in the past and you can choose to do <laughs> i've screwed up so many relationships to get good at this one well i, wanna, I do actually want to talk about that but there's a uh, our friend drew from parlor hawk he has this great line he said i learned a lot of good lessons here that i choose to forget mm. and i think that's what we do sometimes I learned a really great lesson from this relationship, but fuck it. I'm just going to not pay attention to that lesson. I'm going to do the same destructive behavior yeah. in the next one and the next one and the next one. Because it's easier. Because it's not. My, well, yeah, but I think we also trick ourselves and say it's not my fault. It's everyone else's mm, fault. Yeah. Now, now, Ryan, th there are also cases and you, you alluded to this a moment ago. So, mm. so Christiana's question is, how do I move on from a relationship and still be friends? Sometimes you can't. Yes. Right, absolutely. Yes. Well, yeah, first and foremost, you have to you have to uh, get, like, I wrote down, like, you know, here are a few things, but the first thing I wrote down is make sure that they're interested in still being friends. Make sure that you're interested in still being friends. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if both parties are not interested in the friendship, then, well, then that's that's where you might not want to try and be friends still. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, because you can't like, drag someone kicking and screaming toward friendship. Right. Um, that that never works, right? That's at, at best that's indentured servitude, <laughs> and, um, and and so yeah. But but maybe talk about if you're willing to talk a little bit about some past relationships, like were those lessons that you learned that you chose to to forget. But, oh, but man. like looking back and where you're like, of course we can't be friends now. But what lessons did you learn from those relationships? Mm. Where maybe some longer term relationships or midterm relationships? Yeah, no, I, I think like my biggest issues with past relationships was honesty. It was, um, it was just not being honest with the other person. Uh, I was really bad at like cheating on all my exes. Um, the, the one long relationship I had where I was like completely faithful, I think that broke down um, because I was, well, <clears throat> after like eight months to a year of us dating, I remember thinking like, oh man, like I don't think this is going to work. Uh, mainly it was because of like where I was working versus 
where she lived and she had a kid and wasn't willing to, to move from there. And it was like this two and a half hour drive yeah. from each way. Yeah. Each way. Wow. So I'm like, Oh man, like this just, this probably isn't going to work. But I was so invested in, uh, her family I was so like, I mean, it, out of the whole relationship, the best thing about that relationship was her family. What a mistake. I mean, I, I've yeah. had the same thing with, with the person I, I, I dated before Bex. Um, I mean, I absolutely, and she, I think she's great. We're, we're actually still friends. But mm-hmm. one of the things that really stood out was like, man, I really like this relationship because I get along with her dad really well. Yeah. And that familiarity, like it's just, it's, uh, it's very scary to leave it. I so and, and and I was just thinking like going with the you know going towards fear going towards love like I stayed in that relationship for an additional three years oh wow out of fear yeah out of fear from from leaving what I was so comfortable with I'm sorry what were you gonna say oh no no I'm I'm the one interrupting you <laughs> no I just uh, just on that point it was uh, I actually had uh, a wonderful two hour lunch with uh, my former partner's parents yeah and they said whenever you're in town we'd love for you to stay with us Uh, we love you we think of you as a son thank you for everything that you've done for our family and i look at that as like my second set of parents right now which is very surreal and random Mm -hmm. and weird and beautiful and so i think you can like if you can leave a relationship and still be friends you can still be friends with the other people in that relationship right i love that example i'll say the other thing too man is like i did not like all the exes that i can think of um very few of well i should say pre uh like pre the minimalists um talking like 2000 because I've, I've certainly had you know at the beginning of the show i said oh i'm not friends with any of my exes there are certainly some exes that i have like it's it's f- definitely fewer exes i'm friends with mm-hmm. than not friends with mm. so i have been able to salvage some of the relationships but i guess what i'm getting at is is that early on um, like after I got divorced, I took the dating approach of like, oh yes, I'm going to have this sexual attraction to this woman. We're going to have a really good sexual chemistry and, uh, and we're going to, you know, be together for however long and never, ever considered whether or not we would actually be friends in real life. Right. And like any of the exes that I have, like I treated as, I don't know, dude, like, oh, I'm, oh honey, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be gone this weekend. Cause I'm going to have to have a guy's night out. I, I got to go be with my friends. Yeah. Like that is like hindsight. That is a really, sh- like if that's happening in the relationship, that's kind of, to me, it's an, uh, uh, a warning sign. Maybe can we, pull, can we pull that apart a little bit? Because yeah, absolutely. Because dude. like, I feel like well, you, hold on. Let me, oh, let no, me God, just God. throw yeah. this one disclaimer in though. It's okay to have guys. It's okay to just have guy time. Don't get me wrong. I'm not doubting guy time. All right, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, I was going to say that though, just to pull it apart the thread yeah. a little bit, because it is important to be able to, um, have your own quote unquote circle of friends of and to be able to spend time alone and to feel very, very comfortable in that space. Yes. Um, but it seems like what you're saying isn't that it's not like, like guy time or alone time isn't important. It's an it's escape from the relationship. There, exactly. Yeah. That's what I wanted to get to. Yeah. Well, dude. you know, I don't, I, and by the way, I, I'm going to disagree a little bit about, yes, it is okay to have guy time, but if I'm dating someone who I couldn't bring around my male friends. Yes. Yeah, that's a problem. That, that yeah. would definitely be a problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah no, but sometime- tonight is only people with Y chromosomes. You're not invited. Yeah, mm. but there are, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think we're all on the same page. I mean, there are, there are times where with Mariah, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go out to lunch with Josh uh-huh. and I wanted to just 
just be Josh and I because right. him and I haven't hung out by ourselves yes. in a while. But, but that has nothing to do with us having two Y chromosomes. It's just the fact that we are we want to hang out together. No, and by the us. way, I'm I'm way better one on one than I am with with a group of people. Mm-hmm. And so me being around four people, five people, whatever is uh, is way more difficult for me than just sitting one on one with you. Like yeah. it's a much better interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so we've got two two points. Like you're, what you're saying, Millie, is that if you've got a partner who you can't bring around a certain group of friends like that's going to be an issue yeah, if definitely. it's not an issue today it's going to be an issue tomorrow if it ain't tomorrow it's going to be a year from now it'll so, fester too. so yeah. forth and so on and then what you're saying nate is that yes uh it's okay to go out and like uh have some uh, alone time and be independent but if someone finds themselves escaping yes. from the relationship like finding excuses to not be around that person to escape, like that is also a warning sign. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. Let me throw one more thing in here and then we'll move on to the next question. Um, I do find myself escaping now, but it's for, because of my introversion. It's not escaping from the relationship. It's escaping from people in general mm-hmm. and, and being able to, although with this new diet that I've been doing, I've been able to be more extroverted. I've had more energy to, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to just be around people more which mm-hmm. has been has been great but even still it's instead of 90% of my time alone it's 80% of my time alone and and that makes me better when I'm around other people it's not escaping the individual it's escape it's like hey it's not you it's me literally like I mean that like hey it's me I need my alone time so I can be a better version of myself when I am actually I around you I wouldn't even look at it as escaping though man yeah. I would look at it as like a recharging it's yeah, that's, it's, good. that's a good way yeah, to yeah, yeah, I don't you, think you, I don't you think have to escape. love yourself for to be able to love other people, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think there are, are seven different types of relationships. We can go through them really quickly. Um, and we, when we talk about relationships, we, all, we often think of our relationship with people. Like relationships, of course, that means interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. right? I think that's the final type of relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think before you get there, you have the relationship with the truth. So, so Ryan, you just talked about that. Like the, the biggest reason that past relationships didn't work for you is because of your relationship with the truth at the time. Mm-hmm. And realizing that doesn't mean you're a dishonest person. It means you're a person who's able to fix that, mm-hmm. right? Because I've had the same exact thing happen to me. And I think we all have Me had a, a rocky relationship with the truth at some point in time. Mm-hmm. So fixing the, the relationship with the truth. Uh, the, the second relationship is our relationship with like stuff. Quite often we're, we're, co- we're loving commodities and then we're commodifying the people we love and, 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 and treating the people like um, uh, it's a transaction or treating them, you know, it's the same thing. I love ramen and I love you. Um, yeah. you know, we're, we're commodifying our, our relationships and we're treating people as the same thing as stuff. And, and that's the thing you and I obviously always talk about is, is dealing with the stuff, not that's not the end result. That is merely the first step so we can clear the clutter to make room for what's truly important. Uh, I think the third relationship is what you're talking about there. It's the, it's the relationship with self. Mm. Um, being able to, to love myself. And, and, and that's the one thing that I've struggled with, with the most is, is, is personally like feeling inadequate because I'm introverted or because I may not have a particular you know, skill set or, or, or talent or whatever. Um, uh, or, or just my attractiveness. Like Because I, 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 I was fat for most of my life you know i weighed 80 pounds more than i weigh and so for all of my developing years and teenage years like i dealt with like problems with my own self-love mm. and and that has carried forward obviously into adult those scars are still there yeah, from, it's still from a childhood. narrative that's however quiet still there yeah yeah um 
poor things a relationship with money like that the the the, the two reasons that people break up is money and sex those yep. are the two big ones right mm-hmm. now yours is obviously different yeah um, you, you're Holy an exception shit it to was. that that's yeah. crazy and, and but it's it's over 80 percent of relationships yeah. in because of money or sex or or, or both right yeah. um I, I i think the fifth one it has to do with uh with creativity and, and so um, quite often we, f- we, we turn to all this like additional sort of consumption because we are, uh, we're scared to be that vulnerable person who's, who's creating. Uh, and, and so um, we're, we're unhappy with our careers. We're unhappy with what we're putting into the world. It doesn't feel meaningful. So we turn to these other sort of pacifiers, these other indiscretions, these, these, these bad habits, because we're afraid of failure, mm-hmm. right? And uh, afraid of what we're going to create. Uh, eventually, we'll, we'll get to people. But, um, but, but really, I think it's, it's fixing these, these, these sort of core relationships in our lives so we can fix the 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 ultimate relationships which is our connectivity with other people yeah inter- and, uh, interdependence yeah 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 because the problem is when you try to just i'm just going to fix my personal relationships but all this other stuff i'm i'm going to but i'm going to keep lying i'm going to i'm going to uh, going to keep treating people like commodities i'm going to keep putting money first i'm going to uh, uh uh not not be creative i'm not going to to uh, put myself to, first be able to sit alone in a room yeah yeah, yeah. W- when we have when we have these sort of issues we're not addressing the i think it's it's a soup right and like you, you know you have one bad ingredient it ruins the it ruins the whole soup mm. and so ultimately we're talking about these breakups we're really talking about what's everything else that's under the surface so what was the sixth one relationship with sex no, no. So it was, so it was money. And what money. was after money? Okay, let's go through them again here. Truth. Um, we had truth first, and then we stuff, had self, stuff, self, money, money. money. Oh, uh, values is the fifth one. Uh, so, okay. so getting really clear on what your what your values are, because that's the other thing. When, when, when uh, and then uh, the the sixth one was creativity. Ah, right. So uh, values uh, are like. I think there are four different types of values and we you can go back to episode 69 of our podcast and we, we had a two hour dissertation on, on all the different values that, that we, that we have. But quite often we get into a relationship with someone like Ryan said, because like the chemistry was there and like, this is great sex, but none of our values are, are the same. So we're going in different places. And so she's either dragging me or I'm dragging her toward my values. Mm. And that never works. Cause it's, it's this, this pull, this constant pull and this, this tension, but it's not a good tension. It's an mm. overextension. And so getting clear on what your values are mm. so that you can be in a relationship with people who have the same values, e- values, even if they have different beliefs, they have different desires, they have different interests, they have different personalities. All that stuff is great. As long as you're headed in the same direction with your values. There are different doorways to the same values. Yeah. You can get there through different ways and different means. Yeah. I, I tend to look at your beliefs. So, so we, Ryan and I often talk about following your, your, your values and, and doing what, what aligns with your values and your beliefs. Your, your values, like Ryan and I have the same values. We have pretty different beliefs on a lot of different things. Political mm. beliefs, spiritual beliefs. We have different paths to get to that same destination. Yeah. yeah. Blow dryer beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I want to just uh, say before we move on to the next question, the last thing I want to add is if there's any jealousy at all, like jealousy is a surefire way to kill any whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship yeah like especially projecting that jealousy like that is a surefire way to kill a relationship so when i think about my past breakups uh one of the main reasons why i couldn't uh stay friends with those people is because of jealousy like i wouldn't be able to see them 
I wouldn't be able to uh, see them, uh, you know, date another person. Like, I, w- I just wouldn't, I wasn't mature enough to not be jealous. It's total wasted emotion, right? It really because is. It, it has no productive value from it, mm-hmm. that, that jealousy. In fact, it is the opposite of productive. It keeps you from being friends with that person. Well, and mm-hmm. uh, just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, like, that is a fear-based emotion. Yes, yeah, right? Absolutely. Jealousy is fear. And if you're operating from that system, it's not going to turn out well for you. Yeah. Right, and there, there, are, there are legitimate times where fear is useful, but very rarely. Our, our friend uh, Julian Smith wrote a book a long time ago called The Flinch. Did you ever read The mm-hmm. Flinch? It's super short. It's like 30 pages and, and uh, it's on, on a Kindle. Um, but he talks about how we, have, as humans, developed this fear to like a literal flinch. Like if you swing at me, I'm going to flinch. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm protecting myself, Absolutely. right? Or if uh, you're out in the wild and the tiger's getting ready to pounce on you, you're going to flinch. But now, like, my 401k dipped 0.1% this month. Flinch. I'm going to flinch, yeah. And, and we start flinching all of these things we shouldn't be flinching at, and we're building up this this sort of fear. I don't have enough likes on my Facebook posts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what a... What a So-and-so didn't like it. Yeah, mm. and, and jealousy is that type of flinch. It's not actually useful. It's, it's taking this thing that was once useful, this fear... Mm-hmm. And 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 totally using it in a, a useless way. In fact, a counterproductive way. And, and what's Absolutely. interesting though is like you can still be like it's still a natural human emotion, and it's still something that you can see and embrace, and then just decide what to do with it afterwards. Yeah, like, absolutely. I, like you're not going to not feel jealousy at some point, right? But you can decide how to go through with like the next step. Yeah. Like you can look at jealousy, like maybe it's an indicator. Mm. Like if I'm jealous, like if we we're at the Russian bathhouse and like, you know, you're sporting your six pack yeah, and I'm like looking in the mirror and I'm like, <laughs> Nate with his, I'm so jealous and Nate six. I mean, to me, that's an indicator of well, Ryan, I've got to focus on diet and exercise. More. Mm. So yeah, I, I totally agree, man. Like you mm. can take the, the jealous emotion and maybe, uh, maybe not make it a positive as much as uh, uh, you use, can it, use it, it as a, yeah, use it as a tool to make some impactful change. It can be a catalyst for yeah, change. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, yeah. and so I think quite often that that's the thing we can take these things. We can, we can see it's an indicator that I need to need to make some sort of change. If I, if I stew in this jealousy, it's going to continue to be counter, counterproductive. But if I, if I find a different emotion, like now I feel motivated, I feel right. inspired. Mm. That's a totally different emotion. I feel like with, with a relationship that didn't work out in the past and, and, uh, if someone was like, if I see them with someone else, I'm like, okay, I need to be a better version of myself if I want my next relationship to work out. And here, here's yeah. the thing that, the, that I want to say about this too is uh, this is all hard work yeah. to do this oh, yeah. kind of stuff. Like this is not, I mean, maybe it comes naturally to sociopaths, but this is hard work. To it feel ge- much, it's much it's hard work for me. And it's, oh, and yeah. it's humbling. It's like, it, it, like you have to be honest with yourself. It takes a lot of... Uh, like I got to give into pride yeah, a lot. It's scary. I've, I've given into pride so much over the past, you know, eight, 10 years mm-hmm. that like now it's kind of set. Like maybe I don't stand up for myself enough at this point. Cause mm-hmm. like I give into it so much, mm-hmm. but, but I totally agree, man. Like it's a lot of work. And, and part of that work is like going at what basically, you know, kind of putting your pride aside. Well, and it's work worth doing, but I just like, it's, oh, yeah. it, it doesn't come easily for anybody. Yeah. I don't think. Well, I think also when you stand up for yourself now though, cause you don't feel that impulse to like, you're not a guy at a bar, like, 
um why is he looking at me right you 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 you, because that's a different kind of i'm standing up for myself even when i don't need to stand up for myself but now when you do it it, it's more effective it's more influential as Mm -hmm. well because the 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 person who rarely speaks is the person who can often be heard the most Mm -hmm. right you remember i I remember we were sitting down and i uh we're at the bath spa and uh i had a little maxim for him a friend of mine michael desanti uh, I was hanging out with him and I love the way that he carries himself. He just, it seems as if he speaks only when he has something to say. And I'm very gregarious. So I talk all the time. Um, but I asked him, I'm like, how do you choose like when to talk? And he sat there for like a minute and thought, and he <laughs> said, I try to only speak when I have something more valuable to say than silence. Mm. Oh, look at his face right now. That's good. <laughs> that is so good. I think Josh just came on the microphone. <laughs> All right, with that said. <laughs> All right, our next question is from Danielle in Kentucky. What's the best way to move on and get rid of old memories from somebody who left a relationship where it ended without any information, um, a.k.a. ghosting? So if this person just, like, stopped talking to... Danielle, then technically they're still together, right? <laughs> <laughs> so technically, this isn't a breakup question. This is that's how this how, works. That's that's a plot of a crazy, like a, a, a schizophrenic person in a movie, like thinking they still have a relationship. We're still married someone. thirty years later. I, I saw this tweet where this girl was like, "Hey, uh, to Jimmy who uh, asked me out in the first grade, and I said yes to. We never officially broke up. Oh. Happy fifteen year anniversary. <laughs> that's amazing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I do want to take her question seriously, though. Yes. With, with um, so, so three things she asked. How do I move on? How do I get rid of old memories? Mm. And then how do I deal with this ghosting as well? I've, I've actually had this happen to me once hmm. uh, with someone I really loved, really cared about. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and I, the first thing that I had to realize, it was our friend Colin Wright, who, who talked to me about this, talked me off the ledge, so to speak, was uh, you aren't owed anything. Yeah. Mm. Uh, maybe maybe you feel like you're in the right. And maybe you are in the right. Yeah, you're not owed, you're not entitled. Yeah, you you, yeah. you, you aren't you, you aren't owed a response, you aren't owed a text back, you aren't owed a phone call back, you aren't owed an explanation. You know what? It might be a real asshole thing for them to not respond to you, to not call you back, to not give you that explanation. Mhm remember that you're not owed that and you know what danielle it sucks and i'm Mm. sorry you have to go through it because i would prefer the opposite you you got some sort of because we right right now i think the real question here the implicit question is how do i get some closure on this closure is important yeah and and so so how do you move on well you move on by all the things we, we just talked about before clearly there's no friendship here on the horizon or so you think. Who knows? There may be enough time that goes by, and and this other person, uh, uh, he'll he'll just say, you know what? Uh, he might reach out to a year from now. Hey, I was a real, just a real jerk. I was going mm-hmm. through these three things in my life, and mm-hmm. my sister was being mean to me, and my mom disowned me because of my religion or whatever. Like like you you realize like. Oh, this person is fighting their own battles, and I'm part of the, this this their overall war, right? This is only one battle, and maybe the best way that they can deal with it right now is by by not acknowledging your existence, and that sucks because. But you know what sucks suck even more is if they 
lashed out at you they were mean to you they they or worse obviously if they were they were violent or did something illegal i mean uh, abusive in, in in any way that would be much worse mm-hmm. uh and and maybe this is even a type of abuse it's a, a psychological or emotional abuse maybe that's what they're trying to inflict on you yeah. and the only way to move on from that is to 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 walk away from it well, yeah and i think two things on that too is uh, i would just encourage danielle to have compassion both for herself um and then for the other person, because like you said, they may be struggling with some things that are not on the surface at all. And uh, she's probably feeling, I could get from that, like if, if she just got ghosted on and the person's not talking to her anymore, like she maybe feels uh, hurt and scared and maybe wondering what that says about her, right? Yeah. Um, but she can be in a position where she can just have a lot of compassion for herself and then maybe use that as kind of a constructive way. Not that she did anything wrong to encourage this person's behavior, mm-hmm. but how can she make herself feel even better and rise up and go, no, how can I become an even better person where I would never be in a situation where I would do that to someone else? And then also, how can I have compassion for this person? Because they're obviously going through some shit to, to, to end a relationship in this way. Yeah, I I think uh, showing forgiveness for someone that's wronged you, that's like one of the most uh, effective ways of getting closure. Now, getting to that forgiveness point, like to actually feel that forgiveness, it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. But like if you can actually forgive someone that has wronged you, that is, uh, especially in this situation with uh, Danielle, um, I mean, that might give her the closer closure or at least start to give her some of the closure that she's really looking for. I think that when I was ghosted, part of the reason, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this about... Danielle, part of it was my fault in a way. It was a response to something that I did, where I was like, "Hey, I, I need, I need some space. I need, mm. I need some distance right now. Like, I, I'm no longer feeling like I'm growing in this relationship, and so I think it'd be a good idea for us to not communicate for a few weeks, um, so I can try to figure this out." Yeah, and uh, and I was being a bit wishy washy about the about the whole scenario, and mm. and I think it was her way to regain control. Yes. And so, quite often, uh, a situation like this is um, is someone saying, "I'm feeling powerless." So maybe mm. your other the other person, unbeknownst to you, they are just feeling like they've lost all the power in the relationship, and and the power dynamic has tilted so far one other way. The way for me to get power back is to tilt it back by by not responding. Now, mm. now, Danielle, for you to get your own power back not not to use it as leverage against the other person but so you no longer feel like like you're powerless is to acknowledge the fact that you're not communicating right now and to move on to to stop the communication altogether because that is how you're going to get some of that 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 power back and then she asked about creating or she asked about uh how do i let go of these these old memories the best way is to create new memories Mm. and that that may mean with other people it may mean by yourself it may mean waiting a while to date and just having great friendships with people it may mean trying dating out again depending on where you are and 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 your comfort level with that but but creating any kind of new memories is going to help you create that necessary distance so that you're not going to lose the old memories necessarily they're just not no longer going to be in the the foreground of your rear view that's that's a beautiful thing I want to uh, just hover on that for a second. Um, when my former partner and I uh, consciously uncoupled, it's uh, so, such a like a crazy weird sentence. Uh, but when we decided to to not be together anymore, um, she wrote this amazing post uh, on one of her social media feeds where it had a photo of us. This is a, this is like a month uh, after we we ended it, and she had a sentence in there that I think it said. 
I'm not going to act as if we didn't live together for 10 years. I'm not going to delete all the photos of us. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to burn any notes or memories. Mm. And what I liked about that is you can go create new memories, but it's not like you have to like shove all these other ones in a closet where you don't think about them ever mm-hmm. again. Like you can be in a position where you can think about the good times and the bad times and then learn something from them and then go create those new memories while still kind of not holding on to the old ones, Mm -hmm. but giving them the respect that they're due at the same time and then being like, okay, I don't need you right now. And I think also social media has a way of tethering us to the past in a way. Yeah. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's really productive, even if it's for a temporary period of time to unfollow that that person or unfriend or whatever. So you don't stay tethered to those old memories. And yeah, it's it's not about having to tear everything down. If you want to keep old letters or whatever, I I don't necessarily encourage that uh, because I don't like to hold on to things that are no longer useful or or joyous to me. Um, But um, at best, you want to get rid of them so they're not a constant reminder of what the past would get rid of them uh, in a way that maybe if you're still you're scanning. One thing that that I've done in the past, you scan old photos, whatever. So you have Mm -hmm. them sort of in the cloud, but you don't have to have that eight by ten. Uh, yeah. uh, of of Nate and, and his former partner displayed in the living room <laughs> I was, for I, when your next date comes I over. I will say that what I did, just speaking uh, personally, is I went through, I, I look at my uh, the f- photos on my phone as a curated album. So I'm very particular with like what's on my camera roll on my phone. I only maybe have 150 to 200 photos on there. But every time I look at a photo, it just fills me with this like, gratitude or this memory or whatever so i want every photo to feel that way Mm. so i went through um after we uh ended the relationship and i said like internally like which photos of her and i or of her bring me joy still even though it's a month and a half later and i i kept a couple of them and i love them and i know the next person that i'm with if they're going through my phone like they have to be totally comfortable with me having other friends and people in my life even if we were romantically involved like in my photo stream yeah. still I, right. love, I love that man so this can translate to danielle i mean she has to ask herself why does she want to hold on to these memories mm. is it because it brings her joy mm. is it because it, it brings her happiness and she uh has this person who left and just you know was was gone like a like a ship in the night and she wants to remember that person or is she uh, uh, still holding on to that relationship? Yeah. Mm. Are these are these memories? Are they reminding her of the relationship that she's lost? Is it reminding her of the closure she didn't uh, she didn't get that she really really wanted? Mm. I mean, that's that's where because I think uh, you're both right. Yeah, you should and should not hold on to, to love letters. Yeah. It depends on uh, what what that. How, it depends on how that love letter is serving you. I mean, yeah. you and I talked about this on, on the last podcast that we recorded. I guess it was technically two podcasts ago. Yeah, one forty six. But um, I talked about how everything we have in our lives, it is a, it's, it's, it's an extension of who we are. It is a tool. All, all the things, not just the, the literal things, but the relationships, they are all extensions of ourselves. And, you know, Danielle, you've got to look in the mirror and say, what are these memories? What are these letters? What are these pictures? What are these memorabilia pieces? What are they doing for me? How are they uh, serving my life? What, how is this an extension of me? What, what are those memories? What are they representing to other people so I, yeah i just think if she can kind of get to the to the why get to the root of it then uh, at least she can kind of um gain some leverage to maybe try and get rid of this stuff but i'll tell you what man no matter what dude ghosting is one of the most cowardly forms 
of of communication. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it is because ghosting is not simply not talking to someone. Ghosting is is not talking to someone specifically when you know they're looking for a response back. Right. Mm. But, but to go back to Nate's point, you still have to have compassion for that person because maybe they're going through something. Oh, of course, of course. Maybe they were hurt in some way by you that you don't even realize. Yeah, mm. what, what, what I guess what I'm getting at is is that when I think about the relationships in my life, uh-huh. if I had people in my life who were ghosting me on a regular basis, right. um, those aren't relationships that I'd want to have in my life. Doesn't mean that that right. person's bad. Yeah. Doesn't mean that I don't have compassion for that person. Right. But I really, really would go out of my way mm. to uh, not build a deep relationship with someone who chose that form of communication. Because you'd rather allocate your time and your resources toward other people who aren't going to treat you absolutely. like that. Yeah, absolutely. So like Danielle has to ask herself like, does she really want to remember someone who has ghosted her? But the thing about ghosting is it is, it's one of the most disrespectful. It's, it's worse than cursing someone out sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, but sometimes it could be also be more respectful because if, if, if he knows sure. like he has the, he, he has just terrible self-control, self-discipline, he's going to be abusive to her in some way. Mm. Maybe this is the way for him to be respectful, even though it, you're right, it is totally disrespectful it's immature as shit and, uh, to not have this conversation and right. because danielle doesn't know why she, like she's in a position right now where she has to decide why for herself but she doesn't know the reason because this person is no longer talking to her and has disappeared off the face of the earth so she so, has to like come up with a reason that yeah she and, why. It, and it and I feel like it should probably be a reason that serves her. Yeah, no, yeah. no matter what, she has to create some sort of yeah. nar- narrative overlay yes. for this. So, Danielle, you can beat yourself up over this. That's the wrong uh, thing to do. Mm. But you can go back and say, okay, what 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 worked with this? Were we friends? Mm. Were we actually friends? Did we have the same values? With the memories that we created together over however long that we were together, mm-hmm. how are those going to serve me going forward? And then when you're creating these, these new memories... The thing I'm going to encourage Danielle to do is to follow her curiosity uh, and her curiosity that's in line with her values. We just talked about values a, a moment ago. You're going to be curious to, to have new experiences without this person. Mm-hmm. What are you curious about? What what do you what, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to try out? Mm-hmm. Um, following that curiosity, you're going, to, you're going to lead down several different paths that might be dead ends. But it's going to distance you. Even those those paths, they'll, they'll fork off into different paths, mm-hmm. and that will distance you from what what seems to be a, a pretty negative into a, a negative relationship. Yeah, I will. I will say sometimes, um, just going back to uh, coming up with a reason that serves her, I, I totally agree with that. I think sometimes too, though, it's it's relieving to say I don't know. Like mm. there are there are so many relationships that I have in my life. I don't know why people act the way they act, especially in my family. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And me being able to lay my head on my pillow at night and all the all these you know chaotic interactions or or actions uh, that go through my head, it feels really good to say, you know what? Like I don't understand, and that's okay. Yes. Like I don't have to understand in order for me to live a meaningful life. Yes. I don't have to understand in order for me to move on. And Danielle. Daniel, you got to move on. If you don't move on from this relationship, the next relationship that she gets into, it's it's she's not going to be able to give 100% to that relationship. It's going to start that relationship off on the wrong foot. And uh, it, it, it will just severely hurt the next romantic relationship she moves into if she does not let go and, of this and, one. And she may be in a position, 
uh, where the person that ghosted her, she has to assume will n- probably never come back into her life, but you never know, like yeah. what you were saying but earlier, Josh. Ha- I agree, she has to assume she that. Ha- she has to assume that, and which means that closure is not going to come from outside, it has to come from her. Yeah. And so she has to figure out a way for, to close it on her own. Yes. It reminds me of my, my favorite David Foster Wallace cl- quote, we've talked about it a few times on the podcast, but it it is very relevant for this one. Uh, it's from his book, Infinite Jest. Everything I've ever let go of has claw marks on it. Mm, And I think we can decide to let go before we're leaving. Because really, that's not letting go. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're leaving claw marks, it means you're hanging on until you fall off. Mm. And and the lesson to learn there is sometimes thing. And here's another lesson from from that book uh, in particular. Like the end of that book sort of trails off and you're not, you can, you can, figure out there's maybe four or five different potential endings to that and as, as a reader the real payoff is you figuring out what what it what what what, what actually happened here uh, sometimes some things resolve sort of to the right of the frame mm. and you don't get to actually see it and that's what's happening exactly with danielle's relationship like there's going to be a resolution here and even the irresolvability of this of the ghosting is in and of itself a resolution yeah it's beautiful and, and so uh speaking of books i want to give away a couple books uh christiana who asked the question earlier about how do i move on uh from a relationship and still be friends well i want to send you a copy of our book everything that remains it's my favorite thing that we've ever written but uh one of those relationships that i write about in that book was was my marriage ending and moving on from that and now carrie and i my former spouse are much better friends we were friends when we were married we're better friends now than we were then i've never seen her so happy (laughs) (laughs) you you mean without me exactly (laughs) Uh, yeah i mean but part of that meant like okay we are we we are actually better as friends and of course there was a distance there going from that marriage uh we had to have the time apart but we knew that we loved each other but we weren't in love right Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and we also didn't share the same values necessarily, or the same goals. And, and uh, you know, she's remarried, she has four kids and, and, and a totally different life. But she got, she got to go down the path she wanted to go. And I got to go down a separate path, the path I wanted to go. And if we would have stayed together, one of two things would have happened. She would have dragged me down that path mm-hmm. and I would have been unhappy, I would have been unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. And, or I would have dragged her down my path and she would have been unhappy, unsatisfied, unfulfilled with that life. And so we wrote about that and everything that remains. Podcast, Sean, if you could reach out to Christiana and send her a uh, audiobook version. If you like our podcast, you'll probably like the audiobook version of that or the book book version or the ebook version. And then for Danielle, we talked about values and pursuing your curiosity based on your values. Well, in order to do that, you have to know what your values are. So Ryan and I wrote our first book. It's called Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. And it talks about the five fundamental values that everyone, I, I believe everyone has these five values and you layer your different values on top of those. So get really clear on what your values are. It's called Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. You'll reach out to Danielle and give her a copy of that book, either the audio book or the book book or the ebook. I'm sure she'll find some value in that. All right, y'all, we'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about breakups, including advice for any of the callers today, then leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. episode. 
and stay you tuned. Said however you want. <laughs> potato, potato. <laughs> right, no one actually says potato. I mean, not in this country, at least. All right, uh, and I don't think anyone says episode. No. <laughs> they, they will now. They yeah, do okay. now. And stay tuned to the end of this episode. <laughs> nice. For this week's listener comments and tips. For some, now, for some reason, that sounds like, like a Canadian accent, but no Canadian <laughs> says episode. No, probably not. <laughs> they say sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Hey, don't offend our Canadian that's audience. Right. That's right. We love our Canadian. Them. We that, love that's, our that's, Canadian that's, that's Ryan's and mine's I, job. I, I, have, <laughs> I, I have love for them and their weird use of the word. Uh, uh, letter U. <laughs> Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Minimalists or at The Nate Green. Oh. And, uh, or The Nate Green. Is it The or The? I don't know. Uh, potato, oh. potato. Yes. Uh, during <laughs> tomato, potato. Th- during the lightning round, Ryan and I each do our best to answer every question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text of these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our quotes in one place minimalmaxims.com Ryan yes it's time for our first question our first question is from Dimitri if the breakup was my fault how can I start to forgive myself so I, hmm. I'm going to talk about this so here's my pithy answer so Nate if you don't have pithy answers right away don't worry we'll just maunder on a bit and then we'll wrap it up with a pithy bow okay good because yeah. you have way more practice at this than I do <laughs> well, we so, also had like a week to prepare for this too so. oh good okay. <laughs> so, so my, my short answer is before you can forgive you must understand who uh, who you're forgiving and who the forgiving is for mm. so I think sometimes that you're forgiving this this other person for what they've done, but quite often you're doing that because you forgive for yourself. You don't even have to forgive them publicly or forgive them in person in order to forgive someone. Sometimes you just have to forgive in order to, to move on. Yeah. The, the other thing that I'll say here is... Uh, Every breakup is partially your fault. Now, this isn't me victim blaming, mm. um, uh, uh, but it's also partially the other person's fault because every coupling, the, the in, unless there was two man, unless there was coercion involved, right. it took two people to be in that relationship. And so, if you decided, it, it, unless you were co- coerced into being into it, if you decided to be in a relationship, then that was your decision. Take ownership for that that decision even if it wasn't your fault um that there was a breakup just taking responsibility for being there and and most important taking responsibility for the forgiving it is important to forgive the other person even if they wronged you even if they were in the wrong although obviously this question is a little bit different dimitri's saying it was his fault and then how do i forgive myself well if you were in the wrong it's most important to forgive yourself in order to move on the other thing I'll say is it's important to make amends. Yeah. Uh, uh, however you can, to the best of your ability. Maybe that person is ghosting him now and he's not able to to make amends. But you can you can go out of your way to try to make amends with that person and 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 say you're sorry so that eventually you can forgive yourself. Yeah. My my pithy answer is this: the best way to forgive yourself is to consistently be honest and freely forgive, no matter how uncomfortable it is. So I know for me. Uh, when I think about how I've wronged people in the past, there's people in my life now who I have definitely wronged. The way that I forgive myself is I go out of my way to uh, show that other person mm-hmm. how um, 
how dedicated I am, how uh, uh, supportive I am, how respectful I am to that person. Now, now maybe uh, p- particular for Demetri here, they can't go out of their way and be um, and show support for the person that they've wronged. But what they can do is every other relationship, every single relationship in their life, every other relationship besides this person they broke up with, yeah. then go out of their way to be extremely honest and to forgive freely. They can pay it forward in a way to yes. their existing and future Absolutely. relationships. Yeah, and that, that was going to be my response was uh, even if you can't make amends to the person that you feel, uh, feel like you wronged, you can start to live differently starting right now. Yes. You can decide this is why it ended and this was my part in it. Mm -hmm. And you can identify a couple of habits maybe. Mm -hmm. And you can think to yourself, how do I deal with this now? And maybe the next interaction you have with another person, Mm -hmm. you do the opposite of what you did in the previous relationship. I think the pithy answer there, Sean, is the rear view does not equal the horizon. Oh, you're good at this. Um, but, but I mean, really, because what happens is we, we constantly look back, 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 back. I'm staring at this rear view mirror. And of course, if you carry that metaphor forward, you eventually crash. Right? If, you, if, you're just, if you're just looking at the past, you're looking at what's going on behind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you but it's also important to glance back and, and say, okay, that's what, what happened back there. Yeah. How, how can I carry that forward? How does that help determine my, my path forward? Well, to go with the card analogy, like you're looking back, it's like what, what might be coming up that I need to look out for? Yeah, it's, yeah absolutely, man. Uh, our next question is from Michael. Uh, During a breakup, when both partners are minimalists and value heavily the items they have brought into their joint life, how do they divide those items up? Yeah, so, 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 I mean, Nate, you went through this recently. Mm. Um, I I tell you what I did with with my marriage in particular. I I just told Carrie, hey, whatever, whatever you want. Um, you can have. She got the dog. <laughs> she got both cats, and, which she, <laughs> she still has. Uh, although I would have forced those onto her. They were her cats, not mine. Mm. Um, but um, uh, the my pithy answer, which really sums up how, how I feel about this, is you must be willing to let go of anything yes. to regain everything. It's the truth, man. That's like the biggest superpower we have right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, Just the, the power of letting go. Yeah, the, yes. the power to detach. Like that's... That is, uh, I mean, I don't have any relationships now that I can think of that I like. I'm trying to forget, but like having that power, if there, if that ever comes a time, like I'll be able to face that stuff and those little pieces of memorabilia, the same stuff that I think it was Adrian was talking about, uh, holding on to. It's it's uh, it's a great power to have. Yeah, because to become unattached. It's the it's the unclinging from stuff, right? Yeah, it was Daniela. Sorry, not yeah. Adrian. Um, it's that unclinging from 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 the stuff because what's going to happen otherwise yeah now you're saying these things are valuable to you but also put it in perspective michael they're still just things yeah and i uh, we were talking about this very beginning of the episode like i really like everything that is in my apartment now like i feel good about the stuff that's there but if bex and i were to decide hey we want to go separate directions I would I would approach it the same way. I would say, hey, what what's what's going to be valuable for you? Or what should we do with this? Yeah, and the, the way that uh, the way that my former partner and I decided to do things is, um, I mean, one, I'm leaving uh, to go travel around for a while, and so it made the most sense for me to tell her, take whatever you think is valuable that you want, because I'm probably going to sell it or give it away anyway. Um, but I also feel like this is a amazing opportunity to kind of recommit to um, 
figuring out what is valuable in your life that you have right now. So maybe it's a new way of like looking at all the things that you brought into the relationship together and say, okay, does this still bring value into my life considering what my life is going to look like now that we're not together? Yeah. Um, and it may make sense, even though it added value before, exactly. it may make sense to let it go because it's not going to be part of your future life. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, there's, and, and there may be a strong like emotional component of that, which is um, not that I need to go get new and better and different stuff, but this was part of this relationship and I can leave this and I can start fresh on my own with things that add a lot of value to my life, whether or not that's physical things or not. It becomes a symbol of of letting go. You never let go of the things that you you brought together because maybe you got... uh, uh, eight out of 10 value from it before. And so it made sense to hold on to But now going forward, just to get some value from it, like, oh yeah, it's the four out of 10 now. Yeah. Okay, then then maybe someone else, if I, if I get rid of it, I sell it to someone, maybe someone else can get that eight out of 10 value from it once again. Yeah. Uh, my short answer is this. If you can't handle the shit you're buried in, hire a professional shit cleaner. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is for uh, this is for, you know, those extreme cases where, yeah, maybe you don't have a lot of stuff, but you're kind of fighting over uh, what what you get. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to hire a mediator to kind of help divide the stuff up or, you know what, like I wouldn't I wouldn't feel bad recommending that they reach out to a friend to help mediate, too. I mean, yeah. if they got someone that they both trust and can kind of sit there and help them divide stuff up equally, then then yeah, you might need to bring in a third party. But I know sometimes too, like it's, it's embarrassing mm-hmm. to like go and ask, like to, to hire a mediator to, I know for me, like, um, hiring, well, I guess like, cause I'm, I'm like pretty wear my heart on my sleeve type of person. Like I'm not too embarrassed about like seeing a therapist or anything, but a lot of people they're embarrassed, like, sure. especially in certain cultures, like it, it, it's a very humiliating, embarrassing thing mm-hmm. in that culture to like go out and ask for professional help when uh, vulnerability is weak. Yeah, in, absolutely. In, in certain cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's you, you bring that up. I think that helps provide additional perspective, right? Seeing, a mediator or a therapist or, or couples counselor or, or whomever, even at the end of a relationship can be useful. I know Carrie and I, my, my, my former spouse, we, we went through couples counseling at the end of it to try mm-hmm. to maybe look forward oh. to like, okay, what did I what, what did I learn from this? Because you're uncoupling, we were together for eight years, mm-hmm. uh, you're uncoupling a lot and, and I can't work through it all necessarily on my own. And it's putting it into perspective because the important things are rarely things. Mm-hmm. And and you can tweet that podcast, Sean. Um, in fact, I would argue they're they're pretty much never things. I mean, mm-hmm. our documentary is called Minimalism, a documentary about the important things because it has nothing to do with the physical things, the things in our life. These things that Michael and and his former spouse or partner. Um, that, that they brought in their lives, they brought those in hopefully to augment their life, to amplify their experience of life, to enhance their life, not because they were important, but because that life is important and you mm. want to be able to augment that accordingly. Yeah, one one thing that we, uh, my former partner and I always kind of joked about was uh, how we, we wanted to write a relationship book because we thought we were doing like, and we were, we were doing, a, a, I, think, I think we both agreed that we had a, a wonderful relationship. Mm. And the last time I saw her, uh, she kind of joked, but I think there's a tinge of seriousness in there too. She said, we should give it a year and maybe write that relationship book. And I was like, ooh, that's a good idea because we can still kind of be creative together and help Mm -hmm. people. So I don't know if that'll ever pan out, but I've never heard of a relationship book 
from people that ended a relationship. Yeah, uh, no, people, people I love the were, idea, man. You know, you, you were functionally divorced. Yeah, uh, and and being able to recover from that, and I think the way to think about that is you're you're still you're moving on from this thing, and you can be grateful for the that decade together, or that month together, or yes. that weekend together with that relationship. It's not necessarily a breakup, and I hope that's what people get from this episode. Mm. Is you're not necessarily breaking up. You don't have to break up. There doesn't have to be something that's broken. You might get there and it's already broken and you can't fix it. But there are going to be future relationships that may not last forever. Mm. And instead of looking at that as a failure, look at it as a 10-year success. Look at it as a one-year success, a six-month success. Some of the best relationships I've ever had ended but all good things come to an end eventually. Mm-hmm. On a long enough timeline, everything is ephemeral. We're all going to die. It's going to end at some point, whether that's during your lifetime or after your life. And acknowledging that makes you appreciate that impermanence. It absolutely does. I, I can't tell you, dude, like the first time I... Because, you know, we all know that no one makes it out of here alive. Mm. Like, I mean, the, through the history of all the history books, like no one has made it out of here alive. And once I like kind of accepted that it is a, it's a freeing, it's a very freeing feeling, but yes, it, I can't agree with you more, dude. Like it totally helps you embrace uh, the ephemerality and appreciate it. And what you do is you, uh, and this is the thing that I struggle with, but I always try to remind myself is to not, uh, grasp or try to be attached to something or cling to something like leaving claw marks on everything Mm -hmm. and then to not try to push everything else away too because everything is impermanent everything is going to change so if you just kind of let life keep lifing it'll just take care of itself tweet that (laughs) (laughs) i like that if you let life keep lifing it'll take care of itself p.s gentlemen we have one more question dj asks what do you do with all the old photos from past relationships. So, <laughs> wait, this question is literally worded, what do you do with all the old photos from my past relationships? <laughs> well, Josh, let me tell you what I should do with them. <laughs> <laughs> before, before we get into that though, so I, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to answering this question because I think all three of us might have a slightly different way that we curate photos from old relationships or let go of them or not let go of them. But if you'd like to hear our answer to that question, you can listen to this week's Postscript episode over at the Minimalist's private podcast feed. It's available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. So if you want to support our show and keep keep this podcast 100% advertisement free, then head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. In addition to our weekly postscript episodes, the Minimalist private podcast feed includes our monthly Ask the Minimalists Anything episodes, unreleased recordings of our live events, and the entire back catalog of past private episodes. Once you become a supporter, you'll also receive a personal link to our private podcast feed so that it plays in your normal podcast player. And as a Patreon supporter, you also receive access to our monthly live stream videos, as well as first access to tickets to all of our live events before those tickets are available to the general public. You can find all the details and all the good stuff over at theminimalists.com support. And here is a snippet from this week's Postscript episode. If I were in a position where like we just didn't hang out that much for whatever reason, I would still keep a photo of all of us as a good memory Mm -hmm. because I get to look back at that and I want that emotional jolt I got and kind of like put myself back in that time frame and think, wow, this was a period of my life um, that was 
beautiful and challenging and uh i just i just like having that memory i like i like having that yeah. jolt of uh of, of memory again well what i'm hearing you say is that you <clears throat> you are choosing to respect the past relationship absolutely and, I, I wasn't trying to act like it didn't <clears throat> exist or didn't happen right, right? like you want to respect its existence mm. and you want to um you know, pay tribute to it in some way, like to honor it. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a better honor, way of saying yeah, it. That, that's a beautiful way of saying it. Yeah, I feel like so. I, I only kept a couple of photos of of her and her and I, but I, I look at them and it makes me smile, and yeah. it's honoring the relationship that we had. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. So I already mentioned Colin Wright's book, but since we're talking about breakups or relationships, he he really talks about moving forward in a way, moving forward in your current relationship that makes it so that even when you uncouple, it's not a breakup. It doesn't feel like a break. It's the, whether it's the campsite rule or the I'll tell you policy or a bunch of other policies that are useful, not in just intimate relationships, but everyday relationships. So Jordan, if, if folks are watching this on YouTube, we'll put a, the book cover right here somewhere of right some thoughts about face. so yeah right over uh, uh nate's face here some thoughts about relationships <laughs> from our good friend colin wright uh, also um while we're talking about relationships i watched this this youtube uh interview with uh will smith mm. and uh he's some good videos out there yeah i mean he's good been YouTube he's videos. really em em embraced um social media recently he did a a uh, interview on the rap radar podcast with elliot wilson and b dot and uh the thing that I found compelling, it's only on title, the podcast is, the, the streaming service title, but they do YouTube videos as well. So I, I watched it on, on YouTube and he talked about his relationship with, with Jada and they've been together for 20 years. And the thing he talked about is, which I found really fascinating, they've got to this point in their relationship where he's like, she could literally do anything and there's nothing that she could do that I wouldn't forgive her and find a way to be able to move forward. Yeah. And and uh, he said after 17 years, they, were, they, they, they hit this low point in their relationship, 17 years in, they went to go see this sort of therapist type person, a mediator type person, a friend of theirs, and this old wise woman. And, and she, asked, she, she asked Will Smith, um, uh, so how long have you two been together uh, and you're going through these problems now? And he's like, oh, we've been together for 17 years. She goes, oh, honey, you barely know each other. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, it's like, we, we've talked uh, in the past few episodes about perspectives. That is that perspective shift where it's like, yeah, it, imagine that. Like, I feel like I've, I've been with Bex you know, for, for three and a half years, but I feel like I've been with her for a whole lifetime. Yeah. But maybe we don't actually even know each other the same way we will at 10 years in. I, I mean, think about this with you. You just got out of a 10-year relationship. Three years in was a different relationship from, from what it was recently for a couple reasons. One is you continue to grow as a person. You get older. You mature. Yeah. You Your values shift or you better understand them. Your beliefs shift. Your desires shift. Yeah. Um, your objective or goals in life shift. You become a different person. The other person becomes a different person. And you get to know each other together in a way. Mm. Yeah, I I feel like I'm still learning to get getting to know Mariah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 awesome though. 
Well, it's beautiful because you want to still have a little bit of mystery because you still want to be able to be surprised by the other person in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that, that helps me out with that is distance. You know, Bex and I aren't always in the same city uh, because of some geogra- uh, yeah. geographical constraints. And so we are only together about half the time, mm. and uh, which is great for me because I'm an introvert. It would not, <laughs> that would not work for Ryan, I don't no, think. No, uh, long, like, distance, long distance. I couldn't date someone in Irvine, man. I mean... <laughs> Uh, let alone let alone keeping a relationship going across states well, so yeah. when we lived in montana uh i had made an accidental rule it, it just happened this way like bex was the only person in montana that i dated who lived within the boundaries of the state line yeah um yeah. and that worked out better for me because i need so much alone time what i've yeah. realized with bex is we were forced into this this weird sort of scenario where um we're not together all the time but that makes the time we're together so much better uh I, I i feel i feel like when we're out together in public like like um i never take her for granted because of it think think about uh if you go eat at the best restaurant in la every single night for dinner it's gonna be good and then it's gonna start to be less good and you're gonna start to take it for granted yeah so i've been trying to find ways in my life to love the things that I love and to give myself a little bit of space from them on purpose. That way I can come back to them with the full like acknowledgement that these are beautiful things and beautiful people. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to figure out like why or how I'm able to wake up every morning and feel more excited about my relationship with Mariah. Mm. And like, I don't know what it is. I I mean, we're just such a good match. Like maybe that's what it is, Mm. but like it is one thing that like going with the restaurant analogy it's like I eat there and it gets better and better and better. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know you guys had this in the back. Yeah. Well, I but, but, said that to so, Mariah thousands so, of times. So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were keeping that back there. So She's like, where are you looking? <laughs> so so, so, so I, I think with that, that's like if you were to go to the same restaurant every day though and it kept, and it literally kept getting better yeah. because your relationship continues yes. to improve as opposed to, like I eat at Chipotle all the time and it's pretty much always the same. Yep. Um, thankfully, I don't go to any of the ones that have, that give people food poisoning. But, um, uh, you, you know, I, I think that like, that can happen in a relationship too where all of a sudden it gets poisoned and then that then if you that happens enough all of a sudden you're like i got to get out of this Mm -hmm. i can't continue to go down this path and so uh my my added value this week is besides colin's book is we'll put a link to that that rap radar video with will smith where it's an hour-long conversation a lot of it has to do with his marriage and it was it was really inspiring to me Mm. ryan what's been adding value to your life i see that i stole your added value that's all right uh yeah, man. You know that Jack Harlow album just came out. You're the one to let me know about it. It's it's pretty good. I mean, like, I don't know why, but every time, uh, like, I'll have an album <clears throat> that I really, really love. Yeah. Uh, good example would be Andrew Bell's uh, uh, Black Bear, or yeah. is that what it's Black called? Bear, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Great album. When his following album came out, yeah. I was not nearly as in love with it. I was like, man, this is not Black Bear. Dive deep? Yeah. Okay. Like, man, like, dive deep. This is not as good as Black Bear. Um, and then eventually, like, I really, really ended up loving Dive Deep just as much as I like Black Bear. Mm-hmm. I'm in that interim stage right now with this, with uh, Loose, with Jack Harlow's new album. There's a psych- Someone can maybe leave this in the YouTube comments for us. There's actually a psychological term for this where um, you are exposed to a... a some sort of creation. It could be an album. For me, uh, Jonathan Franzen's books stand out to me. Mm -hmm. So I read Freedom before I read The Corrections. Mm -hmm. 
and I know other people who read the corrections before they read freedom because that's the order they came out in. Mm-hmm. And whichever book you read first is the one you tend to gravitate. It's your favorite of his book. It's the same thing with uh, when they do like the hey uh, the Coke versus Pepsi test. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. like what whichever. Whichever brand they're trying to get you to favor, they give you that one first. Here, try oh. this. Because w- w- regardless, like what you test after, it's going to be either sweeter or it's going to be less sweet. Mm. But regardless, it's like that first one that you taste. Like 90% of the time, people pick the first thing that they taste. It like establishes your palate in a way. So yeah, you, you established your musical palate with Jack Harlow's previous album, which is called Gazebo, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Great I agree. name, Gazebo. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's so like, good. It's 10 out of 10. This new one's called Loose. Yeah. And... Uh, it's about a 7 out of 10 for me right now. I, I, but I think it will get to that 10 out of 10 point. I think you listen to... If every song on there was like the first song, it would yeah. definitely be a, a 10 out of 10. But there there are, are just bits of it. Like, it's it has, you know, for lack of a better term, it has a particular vibe that's different from the vibe on his first album. Yeah. And it has been growing on me. I've been playing it a lot this, this past week. Yeah. I'm, I'm really digging it. It's good. All right, cool. Well, let's move on to right here, right now. So we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. I don't have, really have a whole lot to talk Why about. Why do you have dodgeball finals on here? Isn't that tonight? <laughs> Dude, they don't care about our lame-ass dodgeball team. No one cares well, about that. I don't I, even care about that. I was going to ask you. I, I, I haven't found a babysitter for Ella because our babysitter's out of town. Should I bring her there tonight? Yes. Yeah, dude. That'd be great. Do you think they'd be okay with this? Absolutely. Oh, okay. wait a minute. You're being serious. You do have I mean, there's there's a lot yeah, of... Yeah, it's, it's finals. There's tonight. a lot of... Oh. I mean, it's, it is <laughs> a very... It's a very... There's a lot of cursing and yeah. a lot of sexual innuendos going on it's a gay dodgeball league oh, amazing. We're like we're the we, there's six straight people there me and ryan our two partners and then matt diavella yeah and his fiance natalie last night. okay yeah so so we're all in this this gay dodgeball league sweet and uh yeah um there you're right there is a whole lot of uh for not safe for work content yeah at the, uh, did you well the here's the thing if you already said you're gonna be there dude like i haven't said whether or not i'm gonna be there i, I oh. told alex i need to to see whether or not i need oh, okay. to, if i can find a babysitter but uh well, yeah hopefully you can make it man it'll be uh we have a chance to win it all really i mean we ha- well dude it's aren't we like three and four here's the thing dude the finals like everyone makes it to the finals and everyone who enters the finals has a chance to win it all and so everyone gets a participation trophy right exactly no you do not get that you either win or you get a scolding from our team captain alex <laughs> <laughs> uh speaking of dodgeball we saw we saw someone get beamed with a ball last night we went to our first dodgers game dude they, you see they lost right yeah <laughs> I, I, no i didn't i i we didn't get to bed like we left what so, that was like a four and a half hour game probably right Dude, we got home at ten thirty. we left at like the six six ending yeah yeah because i mean ella was with us so this is her very first she was made, passed out like within five minutes as of being soon as we car, got in the yeah. car i gotta poop and then she just falls asleep <laughs> <She did too. laughs> i gotta poop real bad yeah and then she just instantly was was asleep and it was mariah's first major league baseball game as well yeah uh ella liked it because I mean, going to the live games, the thing is different from watching on TV or, or watching a, a live baseball game. It's like the, you know, every few seconds, let's go Dodgers. Like people yeah. are like, it's the, the it's like, it's true particip- fan participation. An experience at yeah. the moment. Yeah. 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 And so, Ella had no idea what was going on, but she loved it. She was so excited. <laughs> she was able to participate. Yeah. Oh, the wave, dude. And yeah. yeah. I mean, we were on the parking lot and I was like, let's go Ella. And then she was like clapping to yeah. the beat of let's. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it was so good uh ryan you've moved into your new, your new apartment we're gonna do some oh, uh dude, it's awesome yeah we're gonna do some living room it's conversations way there smaller soon. but that's okay because i'm a minimalist yeah my favorite compliment is we had uh people over for dinner um and the uh one of my friends was like 
She was like, you just moved in. Like, you just had all your stuff put here yesterday. I'm like, yeah. She was like, how do you have it so put together already? I'm like, when you don't own a lot of stuff, it doesn't take you a whole lot of time to put your place together. No, we're loving it, man. It's smaller. It's uh, one bedroom, one bath. Um, can't really host as many guests. But, like, we had Sean Mahalik over the weekend. He was there just sleeping on our couch. So, we can still, you know, have have a guest yeah for make uh, it work for a short period small of time. yeah for a short period of time dude um uh, and it's nice because it, it it staves off the uh the the one month sort of guests yeah. uh and uh i mean although i know for me like that would be that would be exceptionally difficult uh i think the only person i've ever had stay over at my house is is nate and and his partner and now wow, nate again very honored <laughs> yeah, I think twice yeah i think i think that's it uh, um, i don't know if bex told you but i'm moving in next month <laughs> nice <laughs> I'm sure hey whatever you and bex are into i'm cool, sure man. she'd be happy i support <laughs> no, no guest bedroom <laughs> i'll film it if you'd like wow oh, dude <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, speaking, I definitely don't want to see that film. Speaking of of Nate being naked in my bedroom, um, <laughs> oh great! Let's see what this uh, goes. We've raised forty thousand dollars so far for the Gym City Market. Oh my god, that is incredible! And uh, so I want to say thanks. We're still trying to get to a hundred thousand dollars. So Ryan and I are from Dayton, Ohio, uh, one of the largest food deserts in the country, is in West Dayton, and we're trying to help them build a grocery store. There's not a single grocery store on the entire west side of Dayton. Oh my gosh! And um, uh, the last one closed in two thousand eight, two thousand and and now they don't have access to, I mean they have access to food like food in quotes right yeah, like yeah. Cheetos at the liquor store not actual food not nutrition yeah and so we're trying to help out and if you can help us out if you mm. want to do one thing for us if you want to support in one way we could really use your help go uh, Ryan and I are donating 20,000 of our own dollars and we need you all to help make up the difference there does this 40k include the 20 we're given yes okay yes it does and so we're still we're still $60,000 away we're getting there You're yeah and right now yeah we're, we're trying to get it uh, but there by the end of the year mm. uh, we'll give them enough funds I, I just just talked to them this week and they're they're really excited with the the amount of money we've been able to raise so far but I've told them obviously we, we want to get to that full that full 100,000 mark so we can get this up and running for yeah. them if you're interested in that just go to the minimalists.com slash Dayton and let's get to a hundred thousand dollars there I could talk about what's going on on YouTube, but we got a whole bunch of stuff going on YouTube. A bunch of new living room conversation with guests, uh, including Nate. Yep. All, our friend Sean Mahalik did a living room conversation. We're going to do some living room conversations over at at uh, Ryan's place as well. Oh, we had Dr. Ryan Green on there. Uh, oh, and if you want access to our podcast show notes, you can uh, sign up for our emails over at theminimalists.com. Just go over there and type your email at the top. Sean will send you a can of spam immediately. <laughs> you get one free can of spam with every sign up. But that's the only spam we'll send you because <laughs> all other spam sucks. Well, C source for details, spam not included. <laughs> <laughs> Additional purchase of spam required. <laughs> all right. Uh, you got anything else for us, Ryan? Um, you had the uh, you had our documentary. Um, oh yeah, yeah. As a, as a bullet on here. So so Matt's deadline for uh, a first cut was when yesterday tomorrow oh it's tomorrow okay yeah, yeah. and then it's being sent off for the soundtrack yeah I, I had dinner with him last night he was uh he, he wasn't working on the film that's no yeah he, he, he was, was doing it while he was at the table it was very distracting <laughs> uh, so what, yeah what did he say about it uh i haven't talked to him not all good things no i'm, I'm, I'm kidding <laughs> no he, he seems really excited about it he says he's working a lot right now um oh yeah but that he's uh yeah excited for the project yeah i'm excited to watch it yeah me too this yeah. last week i know he's been working hard to get edits and put mm. everything in there and yeah, so i don't know how the hell he makes josh and i look good but like <laughs> it's mm. funny what people don't know is that 
so when uh you know in order to get like an hour of good video with josh and i you got to have about two thousand hours <laughs> and the same right. thing it's with uh, the same thing with photos to get a good picture of the two of us uh you, you've got to take about 200 photos yeah, <laughs> and then you get like one good one yeah because what happens usually is i i i look like i have some weird look on my face and ryan has his eyes closed <laughs> in every photo i don't know how, how we do it eyes closed <laughs> it's a metaphor <laughs> don't tweet that one sean <laughs> not a minimal maxim all right y'all here are some comments and tips from our listeners hi this is tess in seattle and i recently had a breakup with a boyfriend and and this is more of a comment than a question i have just found that being in situations that are not the right situations to be in be it family friends or a boyfriend sometimes have us do things that are not so good and sometimes that means buying things or being more I guess of a consumer than an experiencer of things and I have found that since my breakup things just really don't matter and that life is actually pretty awesome and experiences mean more and more and I just think that sometimes we don't realize that we're in the middle of something that isn't the right place so keep an eye I guess and my idea is keeping an eye on when are you doing things that aren't healthy and when are you doing other things in your private time that aren't optimal and then stop and think what's around you and, and what makes you do that. Hi, this is Julie Barda. I'm in Redlands, California, and I have been recently binge listening to your podcast. Uh, I wanted to share some comments on collecting items just in case. Uh, I love some of the things that you say, but I, I wanted to also add uh, saving items for special occasions. Uh, I'm very guilty of hoarding items for a special occasion, and several times I have found that those items go bad. Uh, and so I am trying to change my outlook, and I was cleaning out my cupboards. I found a couple bottles of expensive wine I was saving for a special occasion, and I recently had some friends who just popped in for dinner. Well, I decided to pull out the wine, and what was just a normal dinner with friends turned into a special occasion where we had great conversations and we enjoyed this great wine that had been in my cupboard for two years. So something to think about is instead of saving things for a special occasion, taking something every day and turning it into something special and save those items and use them up. Hi, Josh Ryan. My name is Justin. I live in Cleveland, Ohio. I recently went through a breakup on uh, July 3rd. There was a girl that I was really, um, I say, madly in love. Um, she was a minimalist as well. Um, I took it very hard. One thing that I found that I was lacking in this relationship was that I wasn't considerably one whole person. I needed her to support my happiness, which is a big reason why that relationship failed. Following that relationship, I decided to look at other means to build my own, um, you know, self and uh, integrity off of different aspects like working out, exercise. I recently took up yoga, so I figured that would be something that could be beneficial for other people who are going through a hard time if they look at themselves introspectively, figuring out what they can do to make themselves a better person through this through a breakup. 
All right, y'all, that's almost it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalist, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. We're especially looking for questions about discipline, about spouses, and about preferences or personality is maybe another way to talk about that. We're going to, Ryan and I are going to go through our own Myers-Briggs test and, and talk about that. Also, I still got to take that. The, what's, what's the, the Enneagram? Test? Yeah, is that, where you're, is that what, is that, that's the new test? Yeah. The, the, like the Myers-Briggs, like that's what like old people are using. Yeah. The, but the Enneagram? Enneagram. How do you spell that? E-N-N-E. Okay, so Enneagram. Instagram. Yeah. Enneagram. That's what the cool en- kids are doing. Enneagram. I want to be There's a cool There's no kid. O in it. Oh, just enneagram 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 yeah uh. yeah yeah so we're, we're gonna talk about that so uh <laughs> first we're gonna figure out how, i'm gonna figure out how to say the word that was and then no. i'm gonna take the test Actually, that was that was tiring yeah yeah <laughs> i want to thank nate green for being here today uh nate i really appreciate the conversation thank you for being yeah, vulnerable dude. thank, thank you, you for so being much, open uh, um thank you guys for having me yeah. here thanks it's for not crying to... too much i don't know if i could have yeah. been on a podcast six weeks after after uh, having a conscious, uh, what, what is it called again? Conscious uncoupling. After dude, my, having a conscious uncoupling and talking about it openly and my, freely, uh, yeah, you're awesome, dude. My my life's beautiful and her life is going really well. And I mean, hopefully this helps some people, right? So yeah, thanks for having me on here. Yeah, for sure. I really appreciate yeah, it. Dude. I think that term conscious uncoupling is way better than an unconscious coupling, which is usually what happens, right? <laughs> That's what I'm <laughs> doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. It's it just sort of what happens is like, oh, we, we, we met each other at a bar or on Tinder or something all of a sudden, and now we're dating and I don't feel good about this mm. thing. And, and uh, it's an unconscious coupling. Um, I prefer I prefer the the conscious former to the latter. Coupling, yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. Cool. All right, y'all. Uh, what else? Oh yeah, if y'all leave here today, if you oh by the way, if you want to follow Nate, it's nategreen.org or at the Nate Green on Twitter. And if y'all leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this: love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so take your eyes away or take your eyes away.